Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Monday, and we are posting an instant classic for your inspiration. This message may come from anywhere around the globe, but is sure to stay with you for years to come. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Isaiah chapter 46. I want to say some of the same things that have been said, but I want to do so from a slightly different angle. The beauty of the Word of God is you can say some of the same things but approach it from a totally different angle. And for some, this will be Rhema. For others, this will be preview of coming attractions. For others, you're just going to have to store it in the memory banks and when time comes, get the tape from the tape room because you will need it. I can't actually pinpoint for you the exact date or time frame when a major paradigm shift occurred in my life. When I started receiving birthday cards that let me know I had officially entered the your old realm. You know, you used to get birthday cards with fond sentiments, thinking of you, appreciate you, love you, but sometime, I don't know when, I started getting a, a cards of a whole different character. Uh, one brother sent me a card that shows a very old, 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 old referee with a whistle in his mouth, and it said, game over, you're old. <laughs> Pastor Carnegie gave me a card that actually talks, shows a younger Muhammad Ali, and then when you open it up, Who do you think you're pretty? Well, I'm the prettiest, I'm the fastest, I'm the meanest, I am the greatest. You is the oldest, you hear me? You is the oldest. You was going to be out of your mind. You know. And then not to be outdone, my loving wife. This card that shows an old, very grandfatherly gentleman with a fishing pole cap on his knee talking to his grandson and says, and that, Jimmy, is the tale of my very first colonoscopy. And inside it said, welcome to the gross personal story years. Now, I can't say at all that this really bothers me because I don't feel old. I still like good rock and roll. You know, I can still ride my bike over 100 miles. And so, uh, you know, but, and I also know that I'm not alone. But I am part of the baby boomer generation, the some... 78 million people born 
between 1946 and 1965 that find themselves aging. And so it has made me aware of a few things that has brought a number of things to the forefront of my thinking and whether you want to agree or not or acknowledge or not, it is something that will affect our churches, it will affect our fellowship. And I want to preach out of Isaiah chapter 46, uh, verses 3 and 4. I want to talk to you about your best years. Isaiah 46, verse 3. Listen to me. O house of Jacob and all the remnant of the house of Israel who have been upheld by me from birth, who have been carried from the womb, even to your old age I am he, and even to gray hairs I will carry you. I have made and I will bear, even I will carry and will deliver you. I want to talk to you about the inescapable challenge. Because I don't really know if many of us expected this. A lot of us, when we were first saved, uh, we believed that Jesus was coming. I still do. But we believe, you know, we didn't think we would be here this long. You know, the, the idea that we would still be here by the year 2000 was, no, no, never, no way, dude. Uh, one of the brothers in my church was telling how when he first got saved, uh, we had a Bible study. It was called the Over 40 Bible Study Group. And he remember when he first got saved, he thought, Over 40 Bible Study? Oh, wow, man. What is that? And he's telling me now, he is many, many years looking way back uh, uh, at that. But he never thought that this is something he'd have to deal with. And I believe this is characteristic of the boomer generation because part of the psyche of that generation is that we vowed to stay forever young. We somehow believe that advances in health care, genomics would somehow take care of all of this so that the very phrase aging baby boomers was a kind of oxymoron, which is probably why there are so many jokes and sick humor relating to aging and the inevitability of getting older. It's like the person who said, I feel like my body has gotten totally out of shape. So I got my doctor's permission to join a fitness club and start exercising. I decided to take an aerobics class for seniors. I bent, twisted, gyrated, jumped up and down and perspired for an hour. But the time I got my leotards on, the class was over. Someone said, I've sure gotten old. I've had two bypass surgeries, a hip replacement, new knees, for, fought prostate cancer, diabetes. I'm half blind, can't hear anything quieter than a jet engine. Take 40 different medications that make me dizzy, winded, and subject to blackouts. Have bouts with dementia, have poor circulation, hardly feel my hands and feet anymore. Can't remember if I'm 85 or 92. I've lost all my friends, but thank the Lord I still have my driver's license. So I'm talking about an inescapable challenge. I understand that the whole idea of getting old is a relative term. I'm not even going to try to define it. You can process it however you would like. Uh, but the important thing in our scripture that is so very, very powerful 
is it deals with God's promise, the promise of His care throughout the full circle of life. Listen to it again. God says, listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel who have been upheld by me from birth, who have been carried from the womb, even to your old age, I am he, and even to gray hairs, I will carry you. The living Bible says, I will be your God through all your lifetime. It is the promise of God, His faithfulness, His working, His care throughout the full circle of life. And the point this morning is that this inescapable reality will mean that we are or soon will be dealing with issues that we never ever thought we would have to deal with. We had our annual business meeting this past year. One of the men in the congregation asked a question. He said, Pastor, as the congregation gets older, do you see any changes and any challenges? And my answer was, number one, I don't see any changes. We're going to keep preaching the unchanging gospel of Jesus Christ. But at the same time, there are going to be some real challenges that accompany this reality. I was reading about Sir William Osler. He was a doctor, one of the pioneers of uh, modern medicine. Uh, and I don't agree with his uh, statement here at all, but he uh, basically said, uh, that, and his observation is that men over the age of 60, uh, he defined as useless. He gave a speech uh, at Johns Hopkins University in 1905, declaring that men over the age of 60 to be useless. He said, quote, my fixed idea is the uselessness of men over 60 years of age and the incalculable benefit it would be in commercial, political, and professional life if, as a matter of course, men stopped work uh, at this age. Now, I categorically disagree with his observations, but I do know something, and that is, as people get older, there is a kind of creeping sense of uselessness that can come upon them if they're not careful or if they've neglected certain things, that now that I'm getting older, I'm not as vital as I once was, and there can be, at least in the back of their minds, this sense of uselessness. And there are plenty of reminders. Your physical body will remind you this thing, that there's a certain age in life for certain people. You can't go shirtless anymore because it frightens and it confuses young children. <laughs> the fact that church and social and Sometimes business agendas seem to suggest that the race is to the swift and the battle is to the strong, or at least uh, to the young. And I'm preaching this because there are life issues uh, that accompany this time or this season of life that will challenge us. Uh, there is uh, the reality of physical and health issues, that if you have spent your life neglecting to take care of yourself, if you have let yourself go, there's going to be a season of life when the bills are going to start coming due. They say that 30% of the baby boomer generation is what you would call obese. The bills are going to start coming due. 
their concerns over finances. And most demographers are unanimous that the golden age of retirement or early retirement is over. That there are real financial concerns. There are traumas and disappointments over your adult children that accompany this time in life. There are real disappointments and traumas over their life choices or their treatment and attitudes towards you. It's like the lady who died and part of her will was that she would be cremated and her ashes were to be sprinkled at Walmart. And her pastor, you know, why do you want to do that? She said, well, at least then I know that my daughters will come and visit me twice a week. (laughs) There are challenges that come to your marriage as people begin to face the empty nest syndrome that if you have been lazy in the cultivation of your marriage relationship, uh, there are real challenges that come. There are emotional burdens that are amplified because for many people, this is the busiest time of life. Uh, You are bearing more responsibilities than any time in your life. And added to that is the fact that many start to to having to cope with aging uh, or even dying parents. They're spiritual casualness. A lot of people, as they get older, now have to be provoked to grow since many have the, well, I've been there and done that attitude. There is the challenge over weighing and now having to analyze life's dreams and expectations as you begin to ask, you know, where did all the time go and did my life really make uh, any difference? And I'm not preaching this at all to be morbid. And I'm not preaching this to hasten anything either, but we can't downplay the fact that there's an intense reality wrapped up here for our lives and for our future. It's like Lou Holtz, who used to be the football coach at the University of Minnesota. And they asked about what it was like living in the upper Midwest. And he remarked how he thought it wasn't the end of the world. But you can definitely see it from there. And so, you know, as people get older, this is not trying to speed up or hasten anything. This is not to suggest that people are over the hill and knocking on death's door. It's a simple fact that certain things are a whole lot easier to see once you get older. And the wise man and the wise woman will pray what Moses wrote in Psalms 90 when he said the length of our days is 70 years or 80, if we have the strength, yet their span is trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. It is an inescapable challenge. Look secondly at some of the fatal temptations here. Because how many know we have an adversary that is relentless? Somehow people have got the idea that the realm of temptation is limited to youth. They understand sometimes very fiercely what David wrote when he talked about the sins of my youth. 
and they mistakenly think that somehow this is going to subside with middle age, and then as uh, people get older, they're going to have some kind of a free pass uh, that comes with age, a kind of, you know, senior citizen's discount that says, you know what, you're going to have a certain percentage less uh, of temptation than other people. No, we have an adversary that is relentless uh, in his attacks against us. And let me just tell you, he is just as content to take you out after 20, 25, 30, 35 years as he was in the beginning. You may have been a faithful Christian for years, but he still tries to entice you into sin so as to negate your influence. And our text that uses phrases like, I will sustain you, I will carry you, I will deliver you, suggests that there are some real temptations associated with this time. And I want to just identify a number of these this morning with you. The first temptation involves spiritual retirement. See, this is the temptation that people face to back off from church involvement and spiritual responsibilities uh, when they get older or when they're looking at retirement age. A lot of people mistakenly think about and look forward to the time where, you know, I can slow down, I can relax, and basically they're going to back off from all responsibilities across the board. See, there's a real problem with that, and that is as you drift from involvement, it is not going to be very long till you do not feel connected. You do not feel as much of the church, a part of the church, as you once did. And your relationship with God is going to wane. It is the temptation to become self-indulgent and spiritually passive. And the tragedy is that many people are just hitting their stride when they hit, you know, 55, 58, whatever. They're just hitting their stride. And there are a lot of people that envision a time of spiritual retirement. See, the Bible challenges us in Revelation chapter 10. And it says, be faithful unto death. When can I quit serving? When you die. I understand that there may need to be a redirecting of energies, etc., rechanneling of certain things, but do not ever quit serving. It is a real temptation. John Piper told about a couple, a true story, lived in the Northeast. Their whole goal was early retirement and to move to Punta Gorda, Florida, and how that they're now spending, spending their days uh, cruising on a 30-foot yacht, playing softball and collecting shells. It's become the American dream. And they wrote, imagine the scene when this couple stands before God's throne in heaven. Well, I know we didn't do much with the latter part of our lives, but look, Lord, we did get some beautiful shells. See, the truth is, The older people get, the more they feel a temptation to simply relax, uh, to withdraw from the battle, and to begin to concentrate on uh, their own self-centered desires. There is the temptation, secondly, of inflexibility. That the older we get, the more inclined we become 
to get into the rut or routine where we instinctively resist change if it threatens to take us out of or infringe on our comfort zone. And I was thinking, you know, the Bible is so amazing. Abraham was 75 years old when God said to him, I want you to move. <laughs> 75, guys, I want you to move. And, you know, you can look at his life the next, uh, uh, you know, 30 years, and his life may have become a little more uncertain, but he began a glorious spiritual adventure. Why? Because he was still flexible. The temptation with age is you become inflexible. And if you're not careful, you can begin to fulfill what Jesus said. Uh, no one puts new wine in old wineskin, else the new wine bursts the wineskins, and the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined, but new wine must be put into new wineskins. The temptation of inflexibility. There's a temptation that involves feelings of regret. People, as they get older, look back over their lives uh, and with a deep sense of regret, wish that they had done things differently. And their mantra becomes, if only, you know, if only I had known this when I was younger. If only we had been better parents. If only I hadn't chosen that career. And they begin to battle with real feelings of regret that diminishes the joy of life. You know, Moses was 80 years old when God called him to go and stand and speak to Pharaoh. And you read that interaction between God and Moses in Exodus chapter 4, and you can get the sense that because of regret over his past, uh, Moses almost missed and almost excused himself from his role as Israel's deliverer. There's the temptation of having a critical spirit. Because, you know, the older people get sometimes, criticism becomes second nature. That griping about everything under the sun becomes second nature. Griping about having to deal with this and take care of that. And, and I was thinking of the scripture in Titus, uh, and he's speaking to older women, but he did say that they were not to be slanderers. I don't believe he's picking on them, but since women generally are more communicative, there's a greater temptation here, but no one is exempt because one of the temptations of age is you begin to get a critical spirit. You know, I have a fear, and you know, it's, I think it's a healthy fear. God, I don't want to become a grumpy, grouchy old man sitting in a wheelchair. God, deliver me. Take me home. If that's it, you know, I, you know, there ought to be something if we are really growing in Jesus over decades in our spirit. There should be a transformation, a growth, a beauty, a sweetness. And yet one of the real temptations is a critical spirit begins to grow. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, 
and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. There's a temptation of worry that can begin to take center stage in our lives where people become more and more anxious about tomorrow. And whether it's worry over physical problems, whether it's worry over finances, whether it's worry over family members. Uh, One thing I was reading, the number one worry of people getting older is worry about their kids and about their grandkids. That temptation to worry, to constantly be anxious uh, grows and is very, very real. This is why Jesus in Matthew 6, 27 says, who of you by worrying and being anxious can add one unit of measure to his stature or to the span of life? He said it is a completely fruitless uh, activity. You know, worry is kind of like bowling. Now, I'm not a big bowler, but you know, uh, you know, you know, you see people, in, you know, whether they know what they're doing or they're just playing around, that, you know, once they release the ball, all kinds of antics that, you know, bowlers go into, they, you know, they release it and they start, to, come on, baby, come on, come on, or they start going to these contortions and thinking that somehow they can exercise this mysterious power and this mysterious control over the ball once it's been released from their hands. Worry is like that because it accomplishes nothing. All it does is waste energy, makes you look foolish, and evidences a lack of faith. See, the reality is there are a lot of things that you can't prevent and you have no control over. But I can overcome them by believing God's word and his promises and trusting that he will care for me regardless of what happens. And there are real temptations. And a lot of, you know, I didn't just make those up. Actually, those were, and they were actually in that order. People who had retired for many years and were asked, what were and what are some of the major Temptations. You're looking back. What are some of the major temptations? And they were the ones that said, "These, these here they are. 
you can mark it down. And there's an adversary that is absolutely relentless, who, whether young or old, his design is to take you out and to somehow negate your influence for the kingdom of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you about the enabling response then, because the reason I'm preaching this is that some people need to change their thinking. I was just reading a book that Part of it was talking about the testimony of an English preacher by the name of Charles Simeon. Charles Simeon preached in the same pulpit as pastor of Trinity Church in Cambridge, England for 54 years. And much of that time he functioned in that ministry against a gauntlet of persecution, intense opposition, slander, and threats and weakness. It's a very revealing testimony. There are people who hated him. It was back in a time where you bought uh, your pews. You actually purchased a pew where you could sit in church. And they so despised him that people would lock their pew, wouldn't come to church. Uh, and, uh, you know, anybody that did come was forced to sit way in the back. And they slandered him, they persecuted him, and he endured for 54 years in that uh, church. Uh, and in 1807, after 25 years of ministry, his health suddenly failed. His voice gave way so that it was very, very difficult to preach. And this malady lasted for 13 years until he was 60 years old. When at 60, he was healed just as suddenly as the affliction came. And in his own testimony, the reason he gave, he said the reason this happened is that he had promised himself with some degree of satisfaction that when he reached the age of 60, he would retire and he would begin to cut back. And God spoke to him. These are his words. Uh, uh, he said that God spoke to him. He said, I laid you aside because you entertained with satisfaction the thought of resting from your labor. But now you have arrived at the very period when you had promised yourself that satisfaction and have determined instead to spend your strength for me to the latest hour of your life. I have doubled, trebled, quadrupled your strength that you may execute your desire on a more extended plane. And at 60 years old, Charles Simeon renewed his commitment to preach the gospel. He renewed his commitment to local uh, and world missions. Uh, and for 17 more years, vigorously preached the gospel in that church and in that pulpit. And there was a great lesson there because uh, you know, one author wrote and said, Is there any biblical warrant? For the modern Western assumption that old age or retirement years would be years of coasting or easing up or playing. I'm not aware of such a principle in the Bible. 
In fact, it is a great sadness to see so many older Christians adapting to this cultural norm and wasting the last decades of their lives in innocent lounging around. Who knows, but that greater strength and health would be given if there were resolves to move towards need and not comfort in our old age. Who knows whether God would give me awakening and renewal if we would renew our dreams of ministry to the perishing world and not just the, quote, ministry of playing with our grandchildren. He made a decision. God, I am going to invest my life. I'm going to invest my years in whatever you have for my life. And when he made that decision, God touched his life. I believe that one of the lessons that this scripture sets before us is that Jesus is sufficient. Listen to the text again. God says, listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel who have been upheld by me from birth, who have been carried from the womb even to your old age, I am he, and even to gray hairs I will carry you, I have made and I will bear, even I will carry and will deliver you. New American Standard, God says, I am the same. You know what I see in that text? It's the fact that I am never going to stop needing God's mercy, God's grace, or the supply of his spiritual strength. But at each juncture, God says, I will, I will, I will, I will. Jesus is absolutely sufficient. Can you say amen this morning? I believe the promise and the purpose overriding all of this is a call And a challenge to all of us to be fruitful in every season of life. It is the call of God to be fruitful in every season of life. Psalms 92 verse 13. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age and they shall be fresh and flourishing. It is a promise of God to be fruitful in every sea. I shall, that you shall be fresh and flourishing. Now, that fresh and flourishing doesn't mean that when, you know, you're 50 or 60 years old, you try to act like, you know, you're 20. There's nothing more grotesque than a 60-year-old woman trying to give up that she's still 25. Now, I'm not talking you let yourself go, but you've got to realize, you know. I'll leave that. You know, John Wesley preached the gospel until he was 88 years old. And interestingly enough, uh, he started out with poor health as a child. Yet during the course of his life in ministry, did enough work to kill a hundred men, rode up and down England in all kinds of weather, preached any number of times on a given day, and yet seemed 
to thrive on all of this. And towards the end of his life, someone asked him what the secret of his health was. And he said this, quote, the main thing was that I got up at four every morning and preached at five. It's the best exercise in the world. You know, he said, you know, what's the secret? Well, I was up at four and I was preaching by five. Now, you know, when I read that, I thought immediately of Pastor Mitchell. You know, Pastor Mitchell's schedule is almost obscene in a good way. You know, I, we were, I was at the men's rally in December, and, you know, good time. And, you know, uh, uh, I can't remember what it was. He, he asked me to call him. And so it was Monday after the men's rally. Well, I'll call Pastor Mitchell. And I called Sister Mel. He's not here. He's on his way to India. And, you know, more often than not, that's what you're going to find. And what it is, and he'll tell you himself, hey, this is what keeps you young. Up at four, preaching at five. In other words, the point that John Wesley was making is that, you know, I have something uh, that uh, galvanizes the energies uh, and the focuses of my life, and it keeps me young, and it keeps me vital. Those that are planted in the house of God says shall be fresh and flourishing God, that I would be fruitful in every season of life. I believe that there's an invaluable contribution that people can continue to make in every season of life. And I know this based on a number of things. I know this uh, because of the condition and the need of our world. See, our generation is desperately looking for stable reference points that they can trust. You know, especially a generation that has been so wounded by infidelity uh, and divorce. Uh, young people whose foundations uh, have been shaken by so many things that they are desperately wanting to know that there are people who are getting older but still vital. There may be, you know, gray hair on top, but there's still a fire that burns uh, in the furnace of their hearts. Uh, they desperately want to know that there are people like that. And I also know this by the word of God. Second Samuel chapter 21 is a story of a, one of Goliath's relatives that David fought and one of David's men, Abishai, took him out. And following that conflict, they came to David he said, David, we don't want you to go forth to battle anymore. And they said, so that the lamp of Israel will not be extinguished. In other words, they're saying that there's something about older saints that still radiate the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit that is such a vital reference point and testimony for others to follow, especially young men. I believe that young disciples need to look at, at those that are older and be challenged by the commitment and the focus and the dedication that there is an invaluable contribution and the heartbeat of the Christian life and the heartbeat of the Christian ministry is this desire to leave a godly legacy. 
It is this need to pass on to others the faith and the pattern that has been handed to us. And you know what? That is true whether you are young or whether you are old. Our calling is to pass on to others the legacy of faith and calling that we have received. You know, it is one thing to miss that when you are young. But if you miss that when you are older, you are very stupid. Psalm 71 Verse 17, O God, you have taught me from my youth, and to this day I declare your wondrous works. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. It is that passion to pass on to others the legacy and the challenge and the pattern that has been entrusted to us. That burned in his heart. He said, God, when I'm old and gray-headed, don't forsake me until I have declared your power to the next generation. You know, who stands out, we all know this and some have preached on it but what a hero in this regard in the word of God is Caleb who 85 years old says to Joshua I am this day as strong as the day that Moses sent me as my strength was then even so is my strength now for war both to go out and to come in now therefore give me this mountain you know why he is such a hero is that Caleb never yielded to some of those temptations I mentioned. Never went into spiritual retirement. He kept serving. He didn't become inflexible. He kept changing. He saw a whole generation die off, but he kept changing and relevant in his relationship with God. He kept focusing on the future. I'm sure that those 40 years in the wilderness, the thing that kept him motivated, the thing that kept him feeling young is, you know what? God's promised the promised land. It is waiting there for me. He kept focused on the future. He kept on being positive about people. You know, if anyone could have become critical and cynical and just nasty, what is Caleb, you know? You know, because of this whole generation, I have to wander around with these losers for 40 years. You know, he could have been like that. kept on trusting that God would take care of him. So at 85 years of age, he said, you know what? Give me that mountain. I still have the strength. I still have the capacity to do what God has called me to do. There's an enabling response. God said, I want you to remember, just like I was faithful, just like I was the one who carried you when you were young, I am he. I am still the same. And even under your old age, I will carry you. I will sustain you. I will deliver you. Uh, I will work in your life. Uh, I will make you fruitful in every season of life. I came to a new hero recently that I read about. I'll close with this. His name was Charles McCoy. Charles McCoy was pastoring a Baptist church 
in Oyster Bay, New York. When at the age of 72, his denomination mandated his retirement. Charles McCoy had been a lifelong bachelor. He had cared for his mother as long as she lived. In his spare time, he earned seven university degrees, including two PhDs, one from Dartmouth, the other from Columbia. At 72, his retirement was mandated. He was being forced out of the pastor because he was considered too old. And this was a very depressing thing to him. And he thought to himself, he lay there thinking about his life, uh, you know, thinking, you know, my life's over and I haven't really done anything. He said, I've been the pastor of this church, but you know what? What have I done for Christ? I, I've spent an awful lot of time working for degrees, but what, what does that count? I haven't won many people for the Lord at all. And he's in this time, he's thinking about his life, thinking, you know, my life's really been wasted. And a week later, he met a Christian pastor from India. And on impulse, he asked him to preach in his church. And after the service, this Indian brother asked him in a kind of matter-of-fact way to return the favor since he had preached in McCoy's church. Would Charles at McCoy come to India and preach for him? And he opened up, began to tell this uh, man how that he was being forced to retire and move into a home for the elderly down in Florida. And this Indian pastor insisted in informing him that where he came from, people respected a man when his hair turns white. And would he please come? And, you know, he left. That was the last he ever saw of this man. And Charles McCoy began to pray, and he decided that he would go. Yeah, I'm going to go to India. And, you know, the people in his church were absolutely aghast. One of his board members came up to him and says, What if you die in India? And his response is classic. He said, hey, it's just as close to heaven from India as it is from Oyster Bay. And he sold, he gave away most of his belongings and put what was left in the trunk. And he booked a one-way passage to India. 72 years old. This is the first time he'd ever been out of the United States. He arrived in Bombay, and to his horror, his trunk was lost. Everything that he had was in that trunk, and it was lost. Uh, and all he had was the clothes in his back, his wallet, his passport, and the address of some missionaries in Bombay that he'd clipped from a missionary magazine before he left. And he asked for directions. He got on a bus, headed for their house, and when he got there, to his horror, he discovered that while he was on that bus, someone had stolen his wallet and his passport. Knocks on the door of the missionary's house. They greeted him with a polite smile, but a blank stare, because they didn't know who he was. No one was expecting him. And the man who had invited him to India was still in the United States, and probably would remain there indefinitely. Now get this picture, okay? 72, you're out of here, you're forced to retire, everything he has is in this trunk, that's lost, no passport, no wallet, and I'm at this, the door of these strangers, don't even know me. And so he was unperturbed, and he told them, well, I've come here to preach, and so I'm, I'm going to do that somehow. And that he said, I'm going to try to make an appointment with the mayor of Bombay the next day. And they 
looked at him like he was crazy, said, listen, you know what? The mayor's very busy all the years we've been missionaries here, never been granted an appointment with him, and yet the next day sets off for the mayor's office, and when the mayor's secretary gave him McCoy's business card that listed all of the degrees that he possessed, he thought that McCoy must not merely be a Christian pastor, but he had to be someone much, much more important. So not only did he get an appointment, but the mayor held a special tea in his honor and invited many of the city's influential officials to be there. And old Dr. McCoy was able to preach to these people for the next half an hour. And among them was the director of India's West Point, the National Defense Academy at Pune. And he was so impressed when he heard this man preach that he invited McCoy to come to that institute and to preach there. And what was launched at the age of 72 was a brand new ministry for Dr. Charles McCoy. Before he died at the age of 88, he had circled the globe preaching the gospel. There's a church in Calcutta because of his preaching. There's a band of Christians in Hong Kong because of his ministry. Never had enough money to get him to the next place he needed to go. And he dies one afternoon in a hotel in Calcutta, resting for a meeting that he was to preach that night. So that man is a hero. When a whole lot of people have already started laying plans for being turned out to pasture, and they're doing it when they're 38, here he is at 72, he said it's just as close to heaven from Bombay as it is from Oyster Bay, New York. And he stepped out, and he saw the hand of God in his life. Like I said in the beginning, for some of you this morning, this is Rhema. I understand there are a lot of young folk here, but I've, I've paid my dues. I've preached to young people as much as anybody. For some of you, this is Rhema. God locates you. Here you are. For others, it is the preview of coming attractions. You ought to prepare now. Say, you know what? I don't want to be like the rest of the baby boomer generation. Personally, I don't believe it's going to handle this very well. Because if you spent your whole life living for the wrong things, when you start getting older, you're going to have a really, really hard time navigating. For some of you, hey, just put this in the memory banks, okay? You can get in the tape room 20 years from now, 30 years, 40 years of Jesus, Terry. You can go back and who's ever running the tape room say, hey, you know, Pastor Warren, a long time preacher about again. Can I have that? <laughs> I want to tell you that God's promise is in the full circle of life. I am the same. I'm the same God when you were 21, when you knelt at an altar and didn't know who you were or what you were doing and gave your life to Jesus. And I'll be the same God in your old age. I'll carry you. I'll sustain you. I'll deliver you. I'll use you if you'll just simply keep your eyes focused on me. And if you'll live for the things that really matter, for the things uh, of eternity. Can you say amen? amen? Brother Gooding, you come.
Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.